Hello, and welcome to another episode of At Any Rate. I'm your host, Natasha Kanova, and I had uh, JP Morgan Commodities Research, and today I'm joined by Ted Hall. Ted, welcome. As millions of Americans prepare for summertime driving, including over the next month's July 4th holiday, the Biden administration continues to look for ways to ease record fuel prices, including tax holidays, asking refiners to voluntarily cut pump prices. At the same time, cutting fuel taxes, changing blending requirements, and capping gasoline exports could each provide some temporary relief to the U.S. consumers, yet until supply-side issues, uh, namely an acute shortage of refining capacity, are addressed, most measures intended to reduce the price of gasoline will instead likely encourage Americans to drive more, in turn leading to higher gasoline demand and yet higher gasoline prices. So our view has been that in the reality of the market is such that with demand stimulated and supply constrained, fuel prices won't drop until demand does. A more structural approach would be to address the supply side of the balance. Uh, Ted, what could be done in the U.S. to increase supply of refined products like gasoline and diesel? Uh, is this doable? Is this realistic? And could that be done to save the summer driving? Well, ideally, you could bring back shuttered refineries. Um, and I think, I think the administration realizes that. So they've announced that they would use, quote, all reasonable and appropriate federal tools to increase refining capacity, including the Defense Production Act. Uh, to encourage refiners to bring or order or encourage refiners to bring back some of their shuttered plants. Um, but reopening refineries is, would be a really heavy lift. And for the most part, it would be too late to help us for this summer driving season. There's only one refinery we've heard about in the news. We've heard about this from, from our clients as well as uh, PBF's Paulsboro Refinery in New Jersey it has some units. It's still running, but it has some units it could bring back. But outside of that refinery, and, and even that could take a little time, outside of that refinery, anything else would take six to 12 months. I mean, even refiners that were closed recently, um, you know, some of them were damaged. Uh, I think Phillips uh, Alliance Refinery in New Orleans was damaged during hurricane. So it would take mm -hmm. significant repairs. You know, anything, anything that was shuttered before that has been down long enough where to get, to get it cleaned up and fixed up and restaffed importantly. I think that's what people miss the most is when these folks get laid off from these refineries, they move somewhere else, uh, mm -hmm. they find new jobs. So restaffing refineries is a big undertaking. So, so anything outside of Paulsboro, that's a six to 12 month process. Mm -hmm. So, okay, if we cannot restart capacity and we cannot bring a new capacity, is there any way to increase the rates of existing capacity? Can they operate instead of you know, 94, 95%, can they operate at 100% utilization rates? Well, I mean, so something else they could do theoretically is look for alternatives to additional feedstocks beyond crude oil, specifically VGO, that's vacuum gas oil. So these these additional feedstocks for simple refiners are effectively a waste product. They don't have the advanced units that can further process these bottom of the barrel uh, products into more gasoline and diesel. And U.S. refiners are optimized for exactly that kind of thing, especially on the Gulf Coast. So, but what happens? So historically, the U.S. sourced a lot of that those dirty products, the, those waste barrels from Venezuela. Uh, when sanctions removed Venezuela as an op as an option for importing these products, the U.S. turned to Russia. And so now with, with Russian VGO and, and dirty products unavailable to U.S. refiners, there's really no other alternative. So if, if the U.S. were to, to lift sanctions on Venezuela, for example, and, and uh, restore that supply of VGO, we'd be able to increase 
uh, production of diesel and gasoline. Um, but that's, you know, that's not in, right. anything to indicate that's happening. Right, right. So there's other ways to increase supply. Yes, and that would be through higher exports of products. Uh, so one option is, 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 is China. China is the second largest refiner worldwide. This has more than enough spare capacity. So it's about 7% of the global spare capacity sitting in the China. Um, so far, China showed no signs that it plans to raise its export quarters. Um, so as we know, uh, the country has cut its refiner's export quarters by more than a half. This year, in line with its plan to eliminate exports of transportation fuels by 2025 to achieve its net zero goals. Um, so, you know, just look at the statistics China's refined oil products exports for the first five months of the year were down 51% versus 2021. So, persuading China to increase its quarters of transportation fuels exports could definitely increase supply. And we're estimating this at about 500,000 uh, barrels per day. Another one is Russia. So Russia was very successful in finding buyers for its crude. It struggled to sell its refined products. We're missing about 500,000 barrels per day from the Russian exports. Um, but in, in general, if Russia succeeds in that one by the end of this year, uh, maybe early 2023, we we would we could see that the gap uh, slowly closing. But again, you know, as you pointed out, it's not something that is doable for for this summer. Definitely not. Um, so, Ted, um, administration has reached out, as you said, to refiners looking for ways to help restart capacity. However, so far, everything that we've seen uh, from their efforts has been directed at ways to directly lower fuel prices. So, in our view, most of those measures would encourage stronger demand growth and, you know, negatively. Uh, negating any short-term reduction to prices at the pump. Uh, so the most extreme of these tools would be a ban on exports of uh, oil products that has been discussed uh, many times. Uh, Secretary Granholm says that it's not off the table yet. So in your opinion, what it would look like? Well, it, I mean, it's, it's pretty complicated, but I'll try to break it down as best I can. So the, the United States is an important exporter of fuels to the rest of the world, um, from gasoline specifically Latin America and, and diesel. Uh, the U.S. exports, the Gulf Coast alone exports about a, a little more than a million barrels a day of diesel during the winter. So, but let's so imagining what a, a complete ban on fuel exports would look like. All all fuel exports from the U.S. We'll start with gasoline. So during the summer, the U.S. the U.S. East Coast imports almost exactly what the U.S. Gulf Coast exports, so a little less. Uh, about half the U.S. refining capacity is is here in the Gulf Coast in Texas and Louisiana. But most of the excess gasoline they produce goes to Mexico and Latin America and the rest of Latin America. So the only reason that fuel goes to Mexico and not New York or Philadelphia today is the Jones Act. So quickly, the Jones Act requires that any vessel traveling from one U.S. port to another is U.S. flagged, U.S. owned, U.S. operated. And so mm -hmm. the extra cost of booking a Jones Act vessel actually makes it cheaper for a refiner in Texas to send its gasoline to Mexico or even Europe uh, than sending it to demand centers on the East Coast. So under an export ban, those cargos would have no choice to go with, to the East Coast, even with the extra cost. Um, so assuming there's sufficient Jones Act vessel capacity, which, which is a big assumption, there's uh, 57 active Jones Act tankers and they may not be able to handle an extra 800,000 barrels a day of gasoline, uh, but that production would go to the East Coast. Um, but the Gulf, but that's not the end of it. If again, under a full export ban of products, the U.S. Gulf Coast exports, as I said before, a million barrels a day of diesel during the summer, and the East Coast would not have the appetite for that, not even close. So, without the ability to export diesel and other products in addition to gasoline, uh, 
those prices would need to fall until U.S. refiners cut runs, uh, potentially by as much as 3 million barrels a day. So mm -hmm. that would leave the world with more than a million barrels a day less gasoline globally. Uh, global gasolines would, would climb. At best, the East Coast would end up in the same place price-wise where they started, and the rest of the world would certainly suffer, especially the U.S. trading partners in Latin America. Right. So it sounds pretty dire from, from your description. So that assumes a broad ban on oil exports. So what if the ban is more surgical and what is it focused just on gasoline, for example? Uh, that, that's a, that one's actually pretty interesting. So on paper, we think it could work. So assuming now, assuming the government issues broad Jones Act waivers, which is, again, a big assumption, uh, then those gasoline barrels that normally go to Latin America could go directly to the East Coast pretty freely. And because refiners would still be able to export diesel and other products, they may not have to cut runs. But U U.S. East Coast imports are still a little lower than Gulf Coast exports. So even in that case, Gulf Coast refiners might have to cut runs a little. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, there are, you know, different suggestions, yes, coming from the, from the administration. So one of the suggestions uh, is uh, is a temporary halt in the federal gas tax? Yes, that was suggested uh, by the Biden administration this week. So uh, the federal gas tax is the key source of funding for federal roads and bridges, and so that could lower the price of the pump by about eighteen point four cents per gallon. So a gas holiday would require congressional action. So that's something to keep in mind. Putting this decision in the hands of an equally divided Senate. So we calculated the number exactly how much that would, you know, this tax holiday benefit an, uh, an average American driver. And so the numbers we ran is that if the federal gas tax is suspended for the rest of the summer, someone, and you know, an average American who drives about 12,000 miles a year in a car that averages about 22.8 miles per gallon would only save about $20. So suspending the state gas, uh, which funds the interstate highway repairs and mass transit projects, in addition, to, in addition to federal gasoline taxes, would waive a chunkier 39 cents um, tax currently tacked into each gallon of gasoline sold. So proposals to limit state gas have been introduced to more than 20 states. At the moment, so far only five, it's Maryland, Georgia, Connecticut, New York, and Florida have pulled the lever. Um, again, what is interesting with statistics, when we looked at those numbers reflective of how much Americans drive, these five states combined account for close to 5% of global gasoline demand. So again, the point we're making is that uh, everything what we're seeing at the moment, it's actually uh, maintaining or even growing demand instead of addressing supply. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, and we see $20, uh, you know, a $20 savings, like that's, that's, that could feed a family of four. Uh, for one extra meal at least, like that's it's not nothing. But I think what's really important here is that the extra demand would cancel out all those savings for every for every penny you saved on taxes. At some way, it would take you know it might take weeks, but but prices would increase from the extra demand that would cancel out any savings that that drivers had. Exactly that. Um, so. Ted, the, the tax holiday sounds like it won't work, at least not for a long time. Export ban sounds like it could make things worse or at best keep them the same, uh, the same. So what about other solutions? What else could the US government do? Or at least what has been under consideration? Sure, so I mean, there aren't a lot of good options here, but we've studied a few potential actions that they could take. Uh, the most interesting to us, and, and we've heard that it was brought up in the DOE's meetings with oil companies and refiners this week, was waiving summer fuel requirements. 
So if the government were to raise the limit of fuel RVP, so that's uh, reed vapor pressure, that's a measure of gasoline's volatility. And we normally cap that in the summer to limit pollution. So the, if, they, if they raise that limit, the ability to blend more butane into the gasoline pool the same way we do in, in winter, that could raise total gasoline supply by at least 300,000 barrels a day. And we think that could be a big help. So, and reports said that in their meetings, uh, Secretary Granholm played down the prospect of an export ban and she brought up this as a suggestion. So we think that there's, this is certainly more likely, uh, at least under consideration of the administration than, than an export ban. Um, so other than that, the government could lower renewable blending requirements, um, but that, you know, there's some risk there that could alienate far farmers uh, who produce the corn that, that creates ethanol and then and ethanol producers themselves. And so, and while it would lower costs for refiners, uh, which obviously would help at the pump, it could ultimately lower the overall fuel supply if you, if they, if, if ethanol producers stop producing ethanol. So uh, in addition to that, Jones Act waivers we've discussed, that could lower the cost of supplies to the East Coast. We think that's by about 10 cents per gallon. And that's, you know, that's not nothing that, that adds up. Um, and, and, and I think what's interesting about Jones Act waivers is waiving Jones Act and allowing gasoline to travel from the Gulf Coast to the East Coast, that has most of the benefit of an export ban without any of the risk inherent to it. So if the government were to, you know, and there's certainly some political you know, repealing the Jones Act or, or broad Jones Act waivers, uh, there are some political consequences to that. And I think that's why it hasn't happened already. Um, but there's uh, certainly worth considering. And then, you know, other um, considerations, um, you know, we've already talked about E15, so that's higher ethanol blending, um, the, but that's limited impact. Um, there's just not, you know, there aren't that many E15 stations in the States. And then rents price, and that's related to the renewable standards. They could set rents prices to zero. But again, that's the same risk as of lowering blending requirements. If there's less encouragement for ethanol producers to blend, uh, then that could risk lowering the overall supply. Mm -hmm. So the conclusion is that cutting fuel taxes, changing blending requirements, capping gasoline exports could each provide some temporary relief to the U.S. consumers Yet until supply side issues, or namely acute shortage of refining capacity address, most measures intended to reduce the price of gasoline will instead likely encourage Americans to drive more, which in turn will lead to higher gasoline demand, yet higher gasoline prices. Uh, Ted, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you all to listening to the Commodities Edition of JP Morgan's At Any Rate podcast. We look forward to continue the conversation next week. The communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022, JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on June 24th, 2022.